All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. everybody welcome to dropping the gloves tim's here i'm here everybody's here thanks for joining us really appreciate the support before we get started i just want to say this episode tim is brought to you by our good friends at give better i hope you know them by now i know them give better is an amazing company they make gambling fun they make it interesting they make it safe for everybody it's socially responsible sports gambling And the best thing about it, Tim, is if you lose, not all of your losses go to waste. 25% of your losses go to charity. So you're you're winning even though you're losing, and it gets better. If you visit givebetter.app slash DTG and you take a quick survey, like three questions, you automatically are entered with a chance to win two tickets, Tim. Not one, two tickets to any NHL game of your choice. In the whole world, you can go to any NHL game of your choice with two tickets if you go to givebetter.app slash DTG and just take a quick survey. It's super It's super easy. A monkey could do it, Tim. All our listeners have the ability to do this. So check it out. Go to our social app. Click on the link. Givebetter.app slash DTG. It's unbelievable. I was actually speaking of gambling. And this is this is opposite of Give Better because this guy didn't lose. But if he would have lost, it would have eased the sting of a potential huge win. But this guy won a 32-team parlay. You know, Tuesday night when they had the frozen frenzy? Yeah. This this guy placed a $2 bet on all all 16 games, and he nailed it. He won $13,500 off a $2 bet, Tim. Wow. I'm going to do that every Tuesday now, or every time they do that, right? Gary's getting heat for this because you have one one night where all the teams are in action, and then the two nights buttressing that night, there's one game each. So Monday had one game, Tuesday had 16 games, Wednesday had one game. It's like, where's the the spread it out a little bit? You go all on, in on Tuesday night. And on Monday, too, it was just the one game, and it was only available on <laughs> NHL Network, which not everyone has, or some random, like, shopping channel like it was it wasn't one of the big partners or news it wasn't tnt or nbc it was some other random channel that's just it's so strange but but it does make the nights like tuesday that much more exciting you really got to nail that one night and if you don't then you're in trouble because there's no games 
Like last night, there was the Capitals Devils. It was a great game. But if, if you don't really catch that Tuesday night game, but anyways, give better, check it out. It, it, the owner of the company has become a good friend of Tim and I, it, it's a fantastic product. Check it out. If you do sports gambling, you should definitely be using give better use our promo code or app, whatever you want to do to, to get in there. Let them know we sent you. It, it's just a no brainer. And even if you don't use it, if you're just Mike from Saskatchewan or Moncton or wherever you're from, just log in. You got a chance to win two tickets. You don't even have to go to give better. You don't have to use it if you don't want to. You got a chance to win two tickets, right, Tim? That's right. That's right. <clears throat> yeah, you, you don't have to gamble. All right. Moving on. There's <laughs> some spicy, spicy comments coming out of Calgary the last couple of days. The Calgary Flames off to a not a great start. Not great for their their hopes. They were two and three and one going into a game on Tuesday night versus the New York Rangers. Nikita Zadorov got questions by some reporters. And mind you, at this point, they're two, three, and one. They're not 0 and 5. They're not 0 and 6. They're two, three, and one. They're almost 500. He made some spicy comments, Tim. And I know Zaddy. We played together for a year in Buffalo. He doesn't hold back. He's he's a kind of shoot from the hip Russian who how do I describe him? He doesn't think his his stuff smells. You know what I mean? He he thinks he knows what's right for everybody. And mind you, this is him 10 years ago. So maybe he's grown. Obviously, he's matured a little bit. But how much do you change, really, over 10 years? You're still in the NHL. You still have the same thought process. Usually, you know, a zebra never changes his spots too much. So when I met him, he thought his, you know, his ish didn't stink like I thought, like I said, and he he was right about everything. Zaddy, don't do this, do it this way. My way's better. We do it my way. I'm like, okay, okay. So just keep that in the back of your head during this interview because it's very interesting. And Tim, you're better at this. So what did he say when these reporters are grilling him with questions? If you haven't seen the interview, go and look at it. The Flames posted it for some reason. On their official site, which which is mind-boggling to me when the guy's basically throwing his whole team and management under the bus. And they they throw it out there. So what what is he responding to these questions from these reporters? Because I loved it. Oh, I love it. And I wasn't in the room. We weren't on Zoom yet when you saw this. But I know your face lit up when you read these remarks. I just know it. And this is like, before I read it, he doesn't just say generals. Like he gets specific. He names certain people where it's, yeah, I love this. Okay. So here we go. Quote, <laughs> the main thing is we're just not working at it as a unit. We have too many individuals playing as themselves. We have to figure out if we want to play as a team or play as our own guy. We're only six games into the season and we're trying to figure out who wants to be here. Who wants to play for who last season was different. It was Daryl. Now there's no Daryl. So there's no excuses. You know what I mean? The guys don't like hard coaches. You don't like soft coaches. You don't like good coaches. It's a new day league. You come up here, you play hard, and you leave everything on the ice. I think that's how simple it is. Well, let's just stop it. That's There's a lot to unpack there. So right off the bat, the first, the first words out of his mouth are troubling. We're not playing as a unit. That's That's day one stuff you have to play as a team right anybody who's been in any sort of organized event whether it's house league up into the nhl if you're not all pulling the rope at the same time and all have the common goal you're not going to win 
And I've been on good teams where you really have to get some guys to start pulling in the same direction because they're in it for themselves. And it's a real thing, whether you're in a contract year, you had a bad year last year as Huberto did, you want to come out on a fast start because you're under pressure. There's a lot of factors that would affect a guy's play. And in Calgary, how last year went, the amount of pressure those guys are under, everybody re-upping their contracts, which is very surprising this offseason. I thought guys were going to jump ship. Tim and I talked about it extensively. They want to get off to good individual starts so they don't have to start answering questions. If you're a Jonathan Huberdeau, coming in, you signed a big ticket after the trade with Matthew Kachuk. You're the new face of the franchise. You bombed last year. You're making damn sure this year you're putting some points on the board. You're looking for cookies any way you can get them. So you're maybe you're maybe cheating on defense a little bit to get to the offensive end. Maybe you're extending your shift a little bit. You're sacrificing the good of the team so you can get some individual points, individual success. If you're Nazim Kadri, you're coming off a Stanley Cup win. You were the key cog to replace the Johnny Gaudreau. You're filling that box. Last year was a dumpster fire for you as well and the team as a whole. Maybe you're not meshing with the new coach. Maybe you're not liking how the new system's shaking out. Zaddy's talking to these guys. Is there anybody else on this team who you, you could point out that he's talking to other than Huberto and Kadri? He's not talking to Lindholm. He's not talking to Backlund or Mangiapane or Coleman. It's those two guys. Don't you think? It has to be. I keep thinking how much this group needs a Matthew Kachuk or someone like him because you need someone to take control of the room. There's no Batman in this room. Huberdeau is Robin. Nazem Kadri is Robin. Like, even even uh, Lindholm, who I love, he's not Batman. You know what I mean? Like, he's not that big, loud personality that's going to take control of the room and, and steer the ship. They're not. They're missing that guy. And so I look at their contracts. It's $7 million for Kadri. Ten and a half for Huberdeau for many, many more years. Not a good start for them. Do you feel like they'll respond positively to Zadorov's comments? Or is this going to create even more tension in the room? Well, how did they respond to Daryl Sutter? In, in a good way? Did they bounce back and really rise to the occasion? No, they, they pushed back and they were whiny and they complained about it and their game tanked even more. This, this is not going to end well, Tim. Like they were already coming into this season at a deficit where they were chasing it already. They had to prove something last year, like I mentioned, didn't go as well as everybody hoped. They needed to get off to a hot start. And Zaddy's comments, six games in when you're two, three, and one, they went out in that Rangers game and just looked lifeless. Absolutely lifeless. They lost three to one, no jump in their game, no, no jam or anything. Now they're two, four, and one. You go into the locker room. You're one of your longest tenured defensemen has basically thrown your top two guys under the bus. And what do you do? How do you recover from that? I don't know how you recover from that. What is even more interesting, aside from the Daryl comments, because that, that is, I think that was great the way he stated that. Because he basically said, you got your way. You got this soft and rainbows and puppies coach to come in and he's going to pat you on the back and say, everything's great. And we're getting the same results. So what is it now? If it's not the old coach and it's not the new coach, who is it? There's a mirror over there. I'll give you a second. It's you. You're the problem. 
you're the issue. So let's figure it out, start playing as a team and start winning in games. Because when you look at the guys in this room, we have a ton of talent. But when everyone's not pulling on the rope in the same way, we're not going anywhere. You got one guy trying to get points. You got one guy cheating on defense. You got this defenseman who doesn't want to play this way. They mentioned the defensive zone and how it's been an issue so far this season. They went from a man-on-man, which Daryl Sutter usually does. It holds everybody accountable. It's like, that's your guy. You stay on him. Now they're in a zone. And a zone is tricky because it puts a huge accountability on trusting the guys around you. Whether it's a man-on-man, it's like, okay, I'm I'm just going to take my guy. I don't have to worry about what other guys are doing because I just focus on that guy. When you're in a zone, you have to trust if you leave a spot, someone's going to fill in behind you to take that spot. It's almost like he mentioned steel balls. You know those, I think they're called abacuses. One guy comes back, the other guy goes. If Zadorov goes to the corner and his D-man's lazy coming back to the front of the net, there's someone there who's wide open. If a winger gets excited and starts sniffing the puck, it leaves a slot wide open. And he mentioned that where they're just giving up grade A chances left and right from the middle of the ice because guys aren't disciplined. They don't want to work hard in the defensive zone. And they're just giving up goals left and right. And a zone does work if everybody's buying in because you're constantly pressuring the puck. The offensive team doesn't have time to reset. They don't have time to just take a breath and, and focus on the play, because as soon as that puck goes from left to right, and you're the puck carrier, you don't have a guy in your back chasing you. You have a new fresh guy who's engaging you right away. It goes for the D-man, it goes for the forwards, it goes for everybody. You're constantly pressuring the puck wherever you go, but you have to work hard to get back into position. You can't just loaf back and hope someone's going to be there, because that's your zone. And so it's obviously not happening in Calgary right now. And Zadorov is frustrated because he, he he basically said, you go out there, you work your tail off, and then you leave. That's what we do, and not everybody's doing it. So one reporter said, are, are these conversations constructive? Is it going to be comfortable coming back in the locker room after your teammates hear what you've had to say? And I love to respond, his response. He says, being comfortable is not a good thing. It's it's good to feel uncomfortable because when you feel uncomfortable, you improve yourself. You don't just stay in the status quo. I'm I'm a Catholic guy and I, I try to go to church and do the right things. And what my, my priest always says is he says, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. And the same goes for hockey players. If you're not trying to improve yourself, if you're not making yourself feel uncomfortable, you're not getting better. If you're not going to the rink early, you're trying to get better. If you're just, you know, moseying in and just kind of taking off your stuff and I'll, I'll be there for practice. It'll be fine. I'm, I'm as good as I need to be. You're not going to last long. And it seems like this is what the Calgary Flames are doing. They're just they're just there. They're not trying to improve themselves. They got rid of Dale Sutter. Everybody's happy. They thought that would just change everything. It, it's not changing a thing. They have a good team. That This is a sad thing. They, they have a chance to have a really good year this year, but it's it's not looking good, Tim. What do so they do? I'll, what what are the answers, Tim? Well, okay. So the the whole season is is very hard to predict, but we've seen similar situations, different rooms, different players. But like the Keith Kachuk comments last year, and then how that turned around the, the Panthers, and they went on the run they did. I'm not asking you to predict the whole season, but what are like the next two weeks look like for the Flames? Do you see them bouncing back and responding to this, or is it just more? He said, she said. Does does Huberto speak to the press and come up with his own clapback? Like what what happens here? Well, they have to have some kind of closed door meeting to address this because it's 
it's a big deal. You can't go off and have a four or five minute interview where you basically challenge the whole team without having conversations. And Zadorov, I think we'll have to address it in the room. But like you said, who's who's the leader in this room? Who's the guy who's going to stand up and say, okay, Zaddy said this. We have to talk about this. It has to be Lindholm, right? It has to be the veteran tenured guy on the team who takes control and writes the ship. But the, well, it, it's it's doable. Backlund's the captain. Like, How does he respond to this? It, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. He doesn't. It, it, it's <laughs> he doesn't. not a good situation. It, it, it's uncomfortable. It's not a good situation. There's six games into the season. I remember we we went through this with the Sabers, where we weren't producing. Guys were pointing fingers at each other. It's the coaches. It's the management. We fired the coach. A new one came in. It didn't help. At the end of the day, it has to come from the players. And you can have as many closed doors meetings as you want. They have to do it on the ice. You can say all the right things. But until Nazim Kadri goes down and blocks a shot or Jonathan Huberto is trying his tail off in the defensive zone and you can see the fruits of all these conversations, nothing will change. So I don't know. They're a good team. Hopefully they can right the ship. But right now, I don't know. The one saving grace that they have, and he did mention this, this whole division outside of Vegas is awful. And there's opportunity to kind of dig yourself out of this early, early hole. The LA Kings aren't playing like they should be playing. The Seattle Kraken are struggling. The Edmonton Oilers, everybody knows there's issues. It's right now the Golden Knights and Vancouver's had an okay start. So it's wide open to get into the playoffs. So there is time. It's still early, but boy, oh boy. Early results are in and they are not good from Calgary. And it's fun to talk about. It's It's just... Good just for Zadorov, when... though. Good for Zadorov. I applaud him for just trying to nip it in the butt early. Well, I was going to say, just like <laughs> you know, you, the Pacific Division had just earned your trust and respect, and here's what here's what they go and do. You know, we're going to stay with that division right now with the Ducks. You want to talk about the Zegers thing? Well, I, I, again, <laughs> I think you're good at recapping things. So why don't you give just a, a okay. brief recap of what happened this past week with Trevor Zegers? Everybody's favorite goal scorer. Everybody's favorite prima donna who just does everything right. Like never makes a mistake, right? This guy, this guy is the epitome of what it means to be a professional hockey player. Just kidding. He's the opposite of that. This guy does everything wrong. Any chance there is. He just does option A, do the right thing. Option B, he's picking it. <laughs> Have you seen those commercials? It's like option A is spend time with your wife or option B. And the guy's option B. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Michael Scott so, to Toby. Everything you do, I would do the opposite way. Um, all right, okay, what did so Zegers do? Trevor Zegers was benched on Tuesday night versus the Blue Jackets. He played just 12 minutes and 26 seconds, which is the first time in his career he's played less than 16 seconds, even though he was healthy in a game that went to overtime. So the Ducks are not happy with the start of the season, and the message was sent from Coach Greg Cronin on Tuesday that letting him know his play was not acceptable. His effort level has been criticized. He's made poor decisions all over the ice, but especially in the defensive zone. And it hasn't been sound. And on top of that, like if you're going to not be defensively responsible, you got to produce. And he's not producing. He has zero goals, one assist in six games. He plays Boston tonight. I don't know. Is it, it's a good thing. Hopefully he responds to this again. You just don't know what a player he's still young. He's still, he's still like 22. <laughs> like he's 22. He's still, yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? What a nightmare for a coach. You know, you walk in, this is your first year. 
you want to have everything go great and you need to have a good start because you have a bad team. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. The Ducks, Tim and I were talking about it before the show earlier. And it's like the promise that they had a few years ago. Troy Terry was just blowing up. He was coming on the scene. You had this young kid, Zegris. They were playing fun. They were playing fast. Everything seemed to be going right. They had so much salary cap space to play with. They had Jamie Drysdale. John, John Gibson was playing lights out hockey. It was going, life was good. The future was so bright. And fast forward two years, and it's just like, man, what happened to Trevor Zegris? And I call that like, guy. I don't want to pat myself on the back. I called this early. I'm like, this guy is trouble. I didn't like him when I first saw him, and I like him even less now. We mentioned Zadorov talking about guys playing for themselves and not playing as a team. This guy is completely in it for himself. And can can we just say that now? He's not a team player, and I think this is this is becoming more common. That's why when a player comes along who's a team guy, and who does the hard things, people like lose their mind about it. Like Brady Kachuk, when he got into that fight the other day with um, Alex Tuck, I loved it because you don't see it anymore. And what I loved more about that, I loved the play earlier on in the game when he got hurt because it was just his effort going from below the goal line to the front of the net was like a bat out of hell. He was skating as fast as he could. And you don't see that anymore. You see guys just like, taking shifts off. They only try on offense. They're just lackadaisical. And that's that. That's why Trevor Zegras. What are you moves, doing, Tim? Oh, it just, yeah. it drives me nuts. And I don't want to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but the fundamentals of the game are really gone. They really are. Coming back through the center of the ice on the defensive end, so you're taking away the cross-ice passes and you're forcing the guys coming into the zone wide, really hustling back to the net, looking over your shoulder, seeing who's coming in behind you, picking up guys instead of just floating back into the zone and hoping for a transition play. The fundamentals are gone, and the reason they're gone is, do you think the new Anaheim head coach, Greg Cronin, is going to put his job on the line. This is his first NHL gig. And I bet you he was super nervous benching this guy, Trevor Zegras. But he had to do something because it was six games and he wasn't responding to the little coaching between periods, pulling him aside before the games and the pregame skate and saying, hey, we really got to emphasize this, getting his assistant coaches to scream at him a little bit. This, This was a long road to get to a benching. This isn't like the first option. They've talked to Trevor Zegers about this many, many times. Do you think Greg Cronin is going to do what he wants to do, which is healthy scratch this guy, when Trevor Zegers is the face of the franchise, the young stud who's going to turn this franchise around? No, he's he's looking out for his job too. But Zegers doesn't care. He's cashing in his $6 million per year. He's going to put up 25 goals this year. He's going to do something flashy. He's going to post it on TikTok and Instagram and get a million likes and followers and all this crap. It's just, it's the fundamentals are gone. It's a mean, it's a me game now, Tim. It's instant gratification. And that's why when you do get those players, don't, don't roll your eyes. When you get those players who go against the grain and do the hard stuff, and do go into those places, people think it's revolutionary. It's like, oh, look at how good this player is. He's not that good. He just tries all the time. That's yeah. all it is. He just skates hard all the time. 
and he and he skates back and he back checks and he hits people and he's in the right position. <gasps> he, he just does everything right. No, everybody used to do that. That's how everybody used to play. It's called accountability. It's called trying. And I think that slowly with all the individual skills that people are gaining, you're losing the fundamental side of hockey. There's my tangent. And Trevor Zegers is the, the poster boy for this, this movement. Yeah. I know how you feel about him. I, I, we, when he signed that contract a few weeks ago, we were kind of surprised that it was so low five, seven, five when I think he wanted that $9 million deal. That oh, somebody, of course he did. Of course he did. Kachuk, like all these other young players are getting the big payday and he wasn't getting it. And so we're kind of like his own organization isn't valuing him the way that he wants to be. And this is why. And so now you've got a message in the last month, you've gotten a clear message from the ownership group in the GM. And now you're getting one from the coach. What's Love next? From the players? <laughs> we'll find out. We'll see how he responds. I kind of have a feeling that he's going to have a big night tonight in Boston. Just oh. the way things go. Zero, zero um, chance. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. He's not a generous guy, Tim. He's not <laughs> a generous guy. You know who is? Who? This, this week's generous guy is Alex oh. Ovechkin. And I know this is going to hurt for you because there's more than one way to be generous. Because Sometimes generous means sharing, but sometimes it means taking the pressure off your teammates <laughs> to do what needs to be done. And that's what Ovechkin has done this week. Because on Tuesday's episode, we talked about not only his lack of goal scoring, but his lack of scoring chances. I think he had nine total shots on net through the first four or five goal games. In two games since then, he has two goals. The first one, he had 14, 14, 14, not a typo, shots on net. Second one, he had four, 18 shots on goal in two games, plus two two goals. Remember, generosity lives in the small things. It doesn't need money or an audience or even acknowledgement. Sometimes it tells the acknowledgement from people like us. It just needs a few good people. Crown Royal, crown everything. John Ovechkin, has he proved you wrong? Has he silenced the, the haters? And has he said to you and everyone else, I'm not going anywhere. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think he probably heard it from everybody. You got to shoot more. You can't be the active goal scoring leader and have zero shots in two games. And what was it? Five or six through four. It just, it's not enough. And we're talking 18 shots on goal. The shot attempts were in the thirties. So he fired the puck from everywhere, everywhere and anywhere. And that's what exactly I said we should do. Right. He should shoot the puck. He's the only guy who's a goal-scoring threat on this team consistently. And I loved it. He went out. He said, screw it. I'm doing it. And he just fired everything on net. And he finally got one. Good for him. They lost the game 3-1, to one, but he got a goal. They go out last night. It's it's the empty net goals. It doesn't count. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't count. Let they me, should count as half a goal. I'm going to read this text from last night from John. Where is it? Uh, you talked about Jack Hughes. We're going to talk about him. Poor Caps were up 3 nothing after one, down 4-3 to three after two. They're so bad. What happened, John? Well, they, they are so bad. A good team doesn't give up a three-goal lead and just give up four goals in the second period. That does Two things can be the same if at the, the same Vegas time. If the Golden Knights played the exact same game, you would say a good team comes back no matter what the deficit is. They, don't, they play until the end of the clock. So you can position it however you want. Capitals won the game last night. They had a good response in the third period. Vegas Golden Knights will not give up a three-goal lead all season long. If they do, I'll be very, very surprised. The fact that Washington was even up 3 nothing was, was a revelation. Yeah. I was very surprised. But to give up four goals in the second period, it, it was... It says it speaks a lot to their team. But yeah, they had a good bounce back in the third and they win the game. Good result. 
I don't know how good you feel coming out of that game, giving up a three goal lead in the first there's, there's a lot of mixed emotions going around that team, but they did beat a good team in the New Jersey devils. More importantly, Ovi's got a two game going goal scoring streak. So he's getting the feelies going again. Maybe he gets on a little run and he gets to 62 goals. Like I thought he was going to get when I did my predictions at the beginning of the year. The way that you set this up, you expertly said, okay, he's either going to get 60 goals or he's going to miss nice? So Whatever he does, you're going to be right. <laughs> I win either way. I'm very generous uh, with my prediction. It's, it's, I, I nailed it perfectly. So if he has yeah. a good season, I'm like, I told you so. If he doesn't have a good season, I can go, I told you so. It's a win-win. Just like get better. Yeah. It's a win-win. Everything, everybody wins. You know who's not winning now, Tim? Draftees. The NHL just came out. Remember we mentioned this a few weeks ago, how they were throwing around the idea of decentralizing the draft, whatever the heck that means. Well, they went ahead, they did a vote unanimously approved to decentralize the draft experience, according to a memo circulated to teams on Wednesday. More than 80% of the teams voted for this. What does this mean, Tim? Break it down for me. Tell me why this is a big deal. Well, it's a big deal. That well, first of all, how how strongly the the owners responded. I just want to point out, eighty percent is not unanimous, but still a huge, overwhelming majority. What's um, unanimous? Is it all? Yes, yes. Is it a majority? You know that all the votes you were in. Um, okay, Did I so, unanimously unanimously get into the All Star game? <laughs> probably. I'll give you that one. Um, so the league left the possibility that the changes would be implemented as soon as the upcoming draft in June 2024. I don't know if it'll move that quickly. It might be the following year, but basically they're going to have just, there's not going to be a draft. There's not going to be a stage. It's not going to be a host city. Things are going to be done remotely. The GMs and, and owners and everyone else can do their thing wherever they want to do it. Their offices, their, their rank, their headquarters, whatever. And what I thought was interesting, this came from um, an article on daily Faceoff. is some GMs quote unquote loathe, the relative invasion of privacy being forced to make all important franchise decisions in an arena filled with fans while sitting just steps away from competitors, um, which is a really interesting thing. I always wondered about that. While others voted based on the economics, meaning it's an expensive weekend and time constraints. Is this a good thing for the players, for the league, for the fans? Who benefits and who does this hurt? So I'm confused. Will they still have a city? just like the football NFL does and the NBA does where the players still go, but all the teams aren't represented. So when the player gets drafted, he goes up onto the stage, just like in football, they're met by Roger Goodell and basketball, Adam Silver's there and they give him a Jersey and they shake the hands, but the teams aren't there. Will that still happen? See, I don't know. I, I'm foggy on that. Cause if it's not, then that's, this is a big letdown, but if it still has the pomp and circumstance of the player going up on the stage and shaking Gary Batman's hand, I'm okay with that. You could still stay in the comfort of your home or your, your, the offices, wherever you work and then deal with the draft issues and trades and such. But I don't, I, I need more information, Tim. I, I need to see those videos of Kyle Dubas with three phones and on either side of them, just talking all these different wheeling and dealing like that stuff is fun. It's fun seeing like, you know, one of the reporters talking about how Don Sweeney just came back from the hurricanes table and the, could mm -hmm. there be a deal on the, on the, on the line, you know, that stuff is fun. But at the end of the day, that's not that big a deal. They don't really show, they've been showing less and less of that in, in the recent draft. So if that's all it is and, and the players are still getting to go on stage and shake hands and all that, then maybe it's not a huge deal. 
Yeah, I guess it's just part of the history of the NHL. I did go to a draft. One, my friend invited me. He was up for a draft. It was interesting. You see all the management owners, everybody, and they're all on the ice level. And it was cool to see. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to affect the game that much. Because, like you said, nobody watches the hockey draft. <laughs> nobody cares. It, it's not. It doesn't have the same needle-moving effect as the NFL draft or the NBA draft, where it's just like it's a huge thing, those drafts. The, the NHL doesn't have that kind of uh, that kind of weight, Tim, unfortunately. But, I don't know. It, it would be neat to see. I remember, was it the L.A. Rams? They posted a picture of the San Francisco 49ers of like the draft headquarters and they rented like this massive mansion on the water. And it was a picture of the coach in front of this like huge TV, very minimalistic, like concrete everything. And in the background, it's just like the ocean. And like, what would be the equivalent of that for like the Winnipeg Jets or like the <laughs> Ottawa Senators? <laughs> It'd just be like frozen tundra in the background. <laughs> just it like. Just... It would... The Holiday Inn with a snowbank against the window. Right. It just wouldn't have the same effect. But eh, we'll see how it goes. I don't think it's a good or a bad thing. I think I overreacted last time we talked about it just because I didn't know the full extent of it. But if it's, you know, save a little money and they get to stay at home and they feel more comfortable, I'm not opposed to it. It doesn't it doesn't bother me that much. Moving yeah. on. Moving on, let's talk about some quick hits brought to you by DoorDash. When you need quick delivery, you choose DoorDash. Use Nation25, all caps, for 25% off your order and free delivery. Live in Canada, coming soon to the U.S. So the first one here is Brett Pesci. We have so many sponsors. We're huge. We're what wide, happened? Wide, wide, wide. We went from zero. Now we're just, I feel, I feel like Screws McDuck. <laughs> Diving well, into a, a pile of gold coins here with all these sponsors, Tim. We got a we got a comment the other day. I meant to respond. I will respond. He said, uh, "You guys got to chill with the ad reads. It's too many, or you need a longer show." But I feel like three sponsors in a 45, 50 minute show is totally fair. So um, I think people have gotten spoiled because we had zero for six months <laughs> for a year. <laughs> yeah. We just uh, did Manscaped. This is how ads work, and they're so dumb. So Manscaped, we've been going back and forth with them for a, a sponsorship. We're what? very we're very happy to have a sponsorship with them, and we're not going to speak poorly about anybody, right? Okay. I won't say a thing. That's right. Okay, Brett Pesci um, had surgery on Tuesday to correct. That's a called getting body. the smackdown. Tim just laid the smackdown on me because I want to. I want to go. You know, scorched well, earth. Like, let's wait till after the uh, the, the ad. Oh, yeah, we uh, haven't even aired the ad. The single ad that's going to be earth shattering. Yeah. yeah. We'll wait till after. Brett Pesci. Brett Pesci. <laughs> he doesn't use Manscaped. These guys hairy. <laughs> he is. He's expected to miss two to four weeks, which is not as bad as originally thought because Rod Nabod was asked about it and he said, quote unquote, bad news. I was hoping he'd be a day or two away, but that's definitely not the case. <laughs> so is there funny. any other coach or GM who has the, the intro like Rod Brindamore does? <laughs> no, he's earned it. So the Rod Nabod was saying... <laughs> it's so funny um, it's uh, so great and what what high expectations to live up to if you're rod brindamore like you have to hit every ab day like shoulder days we're doing extra because everybody calls me rod the bod dan ugly you know wrist I mean? curls oh yeah dad dad bod dan by doesn't have to worry about that like it's rod the bod you got to really live up to those expectations he comes to the <laughs> 
the interview room just shirtless. <laughs> oh, hey, Rod the Bod. Thanks for joining us. It's so Brand. bad. So it's so different it's, from the other coaches. It's, um, oh, my gosh. Who do you think wins in a fight of all the coaches? He's got to be number one, right? Any enforcers in the group? Uh, oh, well, would you consider like Bruce Cassidy a tough guy? Rod. Well, no, Rod would, I think Rod. Bruce Cassidy is pretty big. Yeah, he's, he's scrappy. Isn't he? I don't think there's any enforcers who are coaches. Assistant coaches we could get, we could have some fun with. Tweet at us. I want to hear who you guys think would win in a, in a battle royale of all the coaches. Just a fist fight on the ice or... Yeah, of who all comes the out head coaches, who's the first one who gets picked up? Who's the Randy Carlisle of the group it's who's just going to get dummy? Dubis? Oh, he's a GM. Uh, he's a GM. But there's a yeah. lot like the ones that come to mind are not in the like Red Torts would probably win. Like he's he's a psychopath. Um, <laughs> Jack Hughes. All these new analytics, <laughs> these guys would just be done. <laughs> oh, that's funny to think of. Tell me about right, Jack, Jack Hughes. Hughes. Texted me about him last night. So he's so. Jumped, let me tell you. Hold on. He jumped to the league with 17 points. This is so his Tim game asked log. me to talk about him, and then he cuts me off. In his game log, six games so far, two goals, zero assists. Next game, zero goals, three assists. Next game, zero goal, one assist. Next game, two goals, two assists. Next game, zero goals, four assists. Next game, zero goals, three assists. Is he the best American player in the league right now? Austin Matthews is American. Yep. So the competition is very high there. Patrick Kane not in the league anymore. Who else would be a good American point Robertson. getter? I know there's, there's good American hockey players, but I think those two guys are leading the charge right now for USA. Trevor Zegers. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're having a good show. Okay. Um, Derek Stepan, but he just retired. So you yeah. PP slapped me earlier when I was talking about Manscaped. Now you're cutting me off. It's great. I love it. Tim's getting a little too confident. Maybe a little too confident. We'll see. We might have to knock him down a couple pegs. But um, <laughs> when you die, no yeah. one will care. Well, that's just fact. Um, yeah, I think he is. I think if I'm doing a draft and it's only American players, he's going number one overall. He has to be. His game has consistently improved year on year on year where he's just added more pieces to his game. He's stronger. He's scoring goals. Now he's not just a pass first guy. He shoots a lot. Like we can, we can obviously see he's gotten what four goals in his first six games. He's got 13 assists. He's a threat every time he's on the ice and he, his line mates are shifting around a little bit. He's playing with Tyler to He's playing with Timo Meyer. He's playing with Jesper Brad. He's they're trying to find a good mix there. But the consistent thing in New Jersey right now is Jack Hughes. He's playing lights out. And Tim didn't believe in him this year. We had our fantasy draft. Tim picked fifth. I picked sixth. And the reason I'm, I'm all in on Jack Hughes, because Tim made the mistake of not picking Jack Hughes with the fifth overall pick. Hold on. And I, I, pounced, he, and I pounced on him at number six. Nico Rantanen, who's got like 12 points. So I'm, I'm doing just fine. But I'm not, like, I'm not a big math guy, but I think 17 is greater than 12. We'll finish. Is we'll it, see at the end of the year. We'll see at the end of the year. Do you want to make a bet right now? Who gets more points, Hughes or Rantanen? If only are points you, are, was the only category saying? that we tracked in fantasy. It's a, it's a complete player. Let's see who ranks higher in our categories. You just brought up he has 12 points. So, yes, we're only going to consider points. Are we going to add up points and hits and block shots and all that crap? 
Let's just see who finishes higher at the end of the year in our Yahoo League. Doesn't matter. Oh, no. see, see how it shifts, everybody. I'm not talking about the rest of my team. The rest of my team is garbage. I know that. No, no, I'm talking about just the two players, but see who ranks higher because it takes all those categories, not just. Oh, points. it's so dumb. So you're telling me the best player in the league is the one who gets the most hits and block shots and points all added together? No. <laughs> Tell me That's you don't understand you're fantasy without saying you don't understand fantasy. Let's well, because fantasy is fantasy. It's not real. Let's keep going. Jack Hughes is better. Anyways, he's having a fantastic year. And yes, to answer your question, he is the best American player in the league right now. He will get, in my opinion, 120 to 130 points this year. He's going to be in the MVP race. I think Connor McDavid being out for the next couple of weeks will open that door to Jack Hughes. And I don't see another player right now who does maybe Kucherov who does it all like Jack Hughes does. He's playing so good. He kind of is a complete player, Tim. I, I, I'm drinking the Hughes Kool-Aid. He's mine now. Welcome aboard. He's on my fantasy team. No, no, no. You're riding. You're not on the, you're strain. not on the ship anymore. You're on yeah. the Miko Rantanen ship. That's no, a sink. No, no. That's a Jack sinking Hughes ship. Is mine, my guy. I got the receipts. You want to talk about receipts? I have receipts. Jack Hughes is my guy. By the you're way, gonna the have devil- a, you're going to have a receipt for when you buy me dinner. At the end of the year. We have a new generous guy I want to talk about. Me, because I bought you lunch, even though, and you get two burgers and a large fry, of course. Um, I was hungry. (laughs) Okay. All right. And Um, just to to preference this, I had already ordered before Tim got there. So it's not like I found out he was paying and I piled on. You had had already ordered even more, probably. No, but I like... I'm going there today for lunch. I'm going to get two burgers and a large fry. I'm a double entree guy now. That's what I do. I don't eat breakfast. I have don't a say short now. Like it's a new thing. You've been a double entree guy. Since I've always been a double entree guy. Yeah. What can I say? People give me <laughs> side eye. I went and ate with my wife. We had a nice little date night the other night, and we sat at the bar. The food came, and the people around us thought we ordered for them. They're like, "Oh, you got us something." She made like a little comment. I'm like, "No, that's mine. That's actually all mine." Like, is this a mistake? I'm like, no, I got two entrees, an appetizer, and a salad. So what? It's been a long day. You want, <laughs> you want to come at me, lady? Like, let's go. Let's do this. Oh, I was annoyed. All right, moving on. Let's let's wrap this show up. I got to go, I gotta go yeah. get some burgers. Okay. Uh, Craig Button from TSN got heated on one of his TV shows over the week, talking about the Oilers' woeful 1-4-1 start, calling it, quote, five alarm fire, end quote. Says any thought of the Oilers being Stanley Cup contenders is again, quote, completely delusional. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this. We've talked about this a bunch, but yeah, what are your thoughts on the do you agree? He's he's one of the few commentators who will just shoot from the hip and he doesn't care. He doesn't care about the blowback from the big cities, Toronto's, Edmonton's, those types of teams. I I'm there for it. Don't look now. Fast forward two weeks from now, Oilers will be done. They'll play 12 to 15 games. They'll be 4, 12, and 1. And that's it. Call it a day. Their season's over. This is a real, real problem right now with McDavid being out. I'm telling you. I said it. You said they were a deep team. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. I said they were deeper than you give them credit for. I don't and think I give them credit them for being the, the shallowest team in the NHL right now, the Edmonton Oilers. You're telling me that you look at the board. When you come into the rink, they have the the other teams line up on the board. Are you are you nervous to face a team that's second line is Hopkins, Fogel, and Hyman, whose first line is Dreinsidel, Kane, and Janmark? 
Well, let's just not forget Nuge had 103 points last year. So I guess. Yeah. Did he, did he strike Rickett fear effect, in you? Patrick Kane. No, I'm not. I'm not game timing no. for Hopkins. No, but no. you you have to respect him. You, you have to don't respect, respect him. him. Okay. No. Okay. No, their goaltenders are trash. Their That's defense true. is their defense is okay, and their offense is less than mediocre. They're bottom ten in the league for their forwards. Bottom Let's ten. Just, they also led the league in goals last year, and it's basically they are the same offense. Let's a house just, of cards. Held up by two pillars, and you've taken a pillar away, and what happens? The house crashes. You need both those guys there to make everybody else look good. Yeah. They, they, this team sucks. I'm going to call it. I'm going to get vulgar. This team sucks. You and Craig. Mc, call McDavid, McDavid has made up for so many mistakes on this team. Ugh, it's, it's good to see. Let's get the Nation Network guys on the show. All right, let's stay out west in Canada. <laughs> this is funny to me. The Winnipeg Jets owner had to go on and do an interview I don't know who he did the interview with, someone from TSN, but just to basically quell the the, the flames for people worrying that he's going to move the team now because the first two home games in Winnipeg, they've averaged around 11,000 fans. It's like, what are we doing in Winnipeg? You know, you lose the team once, you, you go out and you fundraise and you bang on the drum and you say, we want a team, how dare you move our team? We, we need them back. We got to get them back. You get your team back. Everything's great for the first few years. It's new. It's flashy. We're, we have a competitive team. Fast forward to now. And you're just not showing up. Like, what the... This stuff like this bothers me. It's like, then you don't deserve a team. You fair-weather fans. Go away then, Winnipeg. Like, I, I don't want to hear them complain anymore. It's just... It drives me bonkers. So, the 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 owner came out and he basically said, we have no plans of moving this team. They're staying here as long as I'm, you know, running the ship. But let me ask you this. How long do you have to hemorrhage money before you move a team? How many years do you have to, you know, lose money before you just finally say, I'm, I'm moving the team? Five? Six? How many years do we have in Winnipeg before they're gone, to, basically? Ballpark. I don't know enough about this, but I just can't wrap my head around the fact that a major city in Canada can't fill its arena for a team that's not terrible. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't I don't know how this adds up. This doesn't make any sense to me. Well, they have the Blue Bombers and they're a big ticket from the CFL. So I don't get it either. It's like just it's not a big rink either. They have one of the smaller rinks in the league. I think they meets maybe a 20,000 seat arena. It's a nice venue once it's rocking. Like I, I remember playing there when it was full. It's it's a very intimidating place to play. Get your act together, Winnipeg. Like, let's go. Go to the games. You got a decent team. You just signed Shifley and Hellebuck. You're gonna be way worse in like three years. You think it's gonna be better? <laughs> that team is like at a high watermark right now. Man, I should be a GM. Some of the decisions the GMs make just like I just scratch my head. Like, so you think they're going to be a Stanley Cup contender right now? No, they didn't They didn't do anything last year. Okay, we're going to re-up everybody. And give them lots of money. But next year will be different. It's like nuts. It's so good. Am I the only, am I just like Mr. Pessimism? Am I the only well, one who sees this? I think you would see yourself as someone who shoots from the hip and who sees things clearly. So I, I got two hips too. I shoot from both hips. If you were going to have reconstructive surgery, would you rather have a reconstructive hip surgery or like a shoulder? Because you move your arms a lot. Probably shoulder. 
I, well, I don't need either one, if that's what you're asking. If I had to pick one, actually, my shoulders are kind of a mess. So Yeah. You drink a lot of milk? No. No? You should probably look into that. Take glucosamine. Almond milk. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're so soft. <laughs> a nice smoothie okay. this morning with almond milk. You're the worst. <laughs> you're the absolute worst. And hemp seeds and honey and fruit. There's delicious little protein take, powder. Take your shirt off. Let me see what you're working with here. No. There better be just like shredded. This is where garbage. This is the sign the show is over when you ask me to take my shirt off. That's a good sign that we've we've done save it. it for save it for Patreon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll get we'll talk to you next week. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 